Thanks, Sophie. Nice. Welcome. Good to see you all. Thank you, Hal. Okay, so we are in our final week of our series by invitation only. Uh, back in October, November, we launched a little bit of a vision focus for the year. Every year we ask God, what is it you're calling us to? What's like the next focus for us as a church? And we felt like God said to us the word invitation, that we were to be a church of invitation, a people of invitation, those who live open and generous lives and people who invite people into the presence of God and invite people into our lives and invite people into a relationship with Jesus and invite people into his church. That's what we believe that God called us to. So we've spent four or so weeks looking at what does it mean to be a people of invitation by first understanding the invitations that God has extended to us. So before we can be a people that invite others, we need to be a people who have responded to the invitation of God. I want you to cast your minds back to a time in your life where you maybe had been on a really, really long walk, or for those crazy people in the room, a long cycle. You know who you are, if you enjoy cycling. Don't know. You've been on a really long walk or cycle or run or something and you just get to the end of it and you just feel that really deep sensation of, I am really, really thirsty. Anyone have one of those moments? I've definitely had moments where I've been on a, I don't even like walking, not general day-to-day -day walking because you kind of have to do that if you can. I mean like, let's, let's go on a, like, a long walk around the block or something. I'm not into those. I'm like, I could drive. I could get there faster. I'm more of an efficiency type guy. If I'm going to go do a workout, I'll, I'll run. Okay? I don't need to walk around the block. And uh, I've been in towns where you're halfway home from these annoyingly long walks and everyone's having a great time apart from you. And you're there just like imagining what it would be like to dive into some ice cold water. Or, oh, I can't wait to just get home and pour that glass of water. Or, you're just there, your, your mouth is dry. You're just feeling you're like you can't think of anything else other than I just need a drink. A friend of mine owns a coffee shop. And before he owned a coffee shop, he had this little mobile cart that he would take around to events and to festivals. And I remember this one specific day, we were in this festival, and it was me, Holly, and our friend, and, and we were at this one festival, and it was a boiling hot day, and we were in this catering area, and we would sell water, like, like and we were just helping him out, and we were just selling coffee, selling water, and whatever. And um, one of the event organizers said, look, some of the stalls in, inside the main bit of the festival has run out of water and it's really hot. You guys have loads. Can you go and start selling water like in the main bit? Now, this festival was really renowned for a type of place you really wouldn't want to be going. I won't say its name in case some of you go to it. But it wouldn't be a place I would highly recommend anyone to go to. In fact, there was like the craziest dance music playing. We were walking around. People were definitely not in their right minds. And I turned to Holly and I was like, this is what hell must feel like. <laughs> Genuinely. It was like everyone was just spread out, looking like they're having a horrible time, listening to crazy electronic music, which was just insane, you couldn't hear yourself think, and we were out there selling water, but the craziest thing was, was this, is as soon as we were wheeling these crates of water out, it was like we had buckets of gold. 
It was like all these people were just coming to us saying, have you got any more water left? And we were having to go back, pick up more crates of water, head back out into the depths of hell and start handing water out to everyone who really should have thought about and packed their own, in my opinion, but they clearly weren't <laughs> thinking. But, uh, but we were there anyway. And um, uh, we, we were giving water out and genuinely seeing people. It was like they were in that moment where all they could do was think, if I just had a bottle of water. They were running around asking stores, have you got some, have you got some? And we had it and we were selling it. And it was like we couldn't get it away quick enough. I don't know about you, but I think the human body is a very, very interesting, complex thing. I was reading about dehydration this week, as you do. And did you know that when someone is dehydrated, when you and I are dehydrated, when we are really, really, really in need of water, it does not just manifest itself in our bodies in a desire to have a drink. In other words, when you're really dehydrated, it doesn't just feel like you're thirsty. Okay, because you think about that, don't you? Let me read out some symptoms of dehydration. It says this, dizziness or lightheadedness, a headache, tiredness, a dry mouth or dry eyes, or cracked lips or dry mouth. These are all symptoms of dehydration. I know you didn't come here for a dehydration lesson this morning, but walk with me a second. These are all symptoms of dehydration. Now, I've been in this, in this place a lot where it'll get to like 3, 4 p.m. And I'll say to Holly, oh, just getting a headache. I feel like I've been looking at a screen for too long. I feel like oh, I mustn't have worn my glasses when I was driving. I'm at that age, I know. I feel like just something's going on with my head. I must be coming down with something. Holly, give me sympathy. And she'll say, have you had any water today? And I'll say, no, I haven't had any water today. You're probably dehydrated. You're probably dehydrated. Or, or when you're in a position where your mouth is really dry and you think, oh, I know, I'll, I'll put some like, moisturizer on my lips or some lip balm. Or, see, often when we're dehydrated, many of us do this every single day. What do we do? We treat the symptoms rather than address the problem. Many of us on a day-to-day -day basis, when it comes to our physical bodies, and we'll move on with this in a second. I know I'm laboring this, but walk with me. When we in our physical bodies are dehydrated, more often than not, we nurse the symptom. We fix what we think needs to be fixed of the symptom. We put the moisturizer on. We take a paracetamol. We do whatever we need to do for make, to make the symptom go away. And we never or rarely address the problem. We just need some water. Much like our soul. And the Bible uses this analogy of thirst and of hydration for the body as a metaphor for what it means for our souls. And just like our physical body, our soul needs sustenance and needs life and needs to be watered. You and I need life for our soul. Okay, don't take my word for it, it's in the scriptures that we need our souls to be made alive. Otherwise, we find ourselves in positions of weariness and tiredness. And we're going to walk through this this morning. The people you live with, the people you work around, some of your best friends, the people you rub shoulders with every single day. Okay, this is not just a desire of Christians here that our soul needs life. This is the innate desire within every single human being. Your soul needs life. 
That means everyone that you know, whether they know it or not. Everyone that you know, every single person in this room, your soul needs to be made alive. However, how many times do we find ourselves in that place where our souls feel dry? We just don't feel like we've got that click, that alignment. We don't feel like we're operating out of the strength of God. We don't feel like we're being led by the Spirit. We don't feel like anything's flowing out of us. So what do we do? We address the symptoms. We start going around feeling like, why do I feel like this? What what about peace? Uh, Maybe I just need to do some more stretching in the morning. That'll get me the peace I need. Maybe I just need to change my diet. Maybe I need to, and we try and fix all of these things in our life to satisfy something that cannot be satisfied in those places. Our souls crave the very, very same thing, just like our bodies, to be watered and fed and nourished. To be a people of invitation means people who have themselves responded to the invitation of Jesus and then offered that same invitation out to others. Just like when you get back from that long walk or just like those people that we came to the rescue of at that festival. That feeling, that moment of deep satisfaction. You know when something just hits the spot? Our souls crave that very same feeling, that internal click, that deep-rooted satisfaction. So we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 3. It's going to come up on the screen. It's in the ESV version. And this is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah who passes this on to the nation of Israel. It says this, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. I love this passage and as I said, my prayer this morning is that we would leave this place filled with the Spirit of God, filled with, an, with a wonder and a joy after we have encountered God. So Isaiah is a prophet. He is writing, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And in these chapters, chapter 40 through to 55, is what is known as the Book of Comfort. And this is essentially when the, the Jews were in captivity in Babylon, which was a not a good place, probably similar to that festival that we were at. It was not a good place for the Jews to be. Everything was different. Everything was upside down. Their laws, their religions, their rules, everything was contrary to what they would have believed. And they find themselves, because this is in in chapter 55, they find themselves coming out of captivity. And then God is speaking to them about their future and everything that they will face going forward. So this, this passage we read today is in the book of comfort, but it sits itself right on the edge of what we call the period of exile. And the period of the restoration period. So that's when the Jews all flooded back to their home. And they look around and everything is broken. 
All their walls are broken down, their houses have been burnt, everything is in ruins. They look at what once was, they look around and say, hmm, life isn't really how we thought it was going to turn out. And they're facing the future with fear, they're facing the future with uncertainty. And in the restoration period, although they got allowances from the Persian Empire, they were all skint. They had no money. They had very, very little to buy things with. Their whole society, the whole economy, their whole infrastructure was not set up for them to live there. So I want you to imagine, remember that weird period of time where there was no toilet roll in the shops? Do you remember that? Like we lived through a period where people panic bought toilet paper. There's some of you in here, I know for sure. This would have been like that, but like times a thousand. This would have been like people couldn't eat. There was no supply chain set up. There was nothing sorted for them. They were, they've just come out of this captivity, the Babylonian captivity. They're back home, but home couldn't look any different than they expected. Shops are empty. Livelihoods are still trying to get going. And this is what God says to them. You can imagine the place that the Israelites are in, weary. They've just come out. They're finally free, but they're just feeling like overwhelmed and feeling unsure. And they're feeling like, what does the future look like? So we understand this context. When Isaiah talks to them about buying bread and those types of things. It's very relevant to them. Because quite literally, they would have been there and not actually been able to buy food. Or the wages that they did have, they would have had to be really careful about where they spent them. So that's a picture of where this passage is spoken into. This helps us understand that the Bible was not written to us. It was written, it's an ancient book, but it was written for us. So when we understand who Isaiah is speaking to, we can understand, well, what does God say to us today through this passage? So we're going to walk through this. And Lucy, if you flick up the first part of this passage, and we're going to walk through each section of it. It simply says this. This is God's invitation to a tired, weary, broken group of people. He simply says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You can leave that up for me. Isaiah, God through Isaiah is saying to the people, look, you who are tired, you who are weary, but not just physically, something deep down, those of you who are feeling a little bit at the end of yourselves, unsure about what is next, come to me and come to my waters. Picture of water is this life and blessing. He's saying, come. He's using this met metaphor of water. It's like, come and partake of something. It's this invitation to Israel to come back to God, to find deep satisfaction, deep rest in Him. They would have felt really overwhelmed. They would have felt a little bit like, God, are you even here? And the invitation comes, come to me. I'm here. Come to me. Even when it doesn't look like it, Israelites are looking around, is, is, has God deserted this place? They feel like it, but God's saying, come to me. No matter what life looks like, just come to me. And then it says this, which I find really interesting. Come buy wine and milk without money. At those times, wine and milk were like choice foods. Okay, so it would have been things that people wouldn't usually have been able to afford. 
So when he's saying, come, come and don't just drink water, come and drink milk and wine. In other words, what he's saying is, God is not just offering them the scraps that the beggars would get. It's not just the food for the dogs. It's not just come to God and just get a little bit of what you need. He's saying, come and feast at the table with me. Come and take your place as a son and daughter at the table of God. He's inviting them into a place of richness, a place that they don't deserve. A place, they'd hear this and be like, wow, the best? God's saying, come, come and drink of the best in my house. This invitation that God extended to the Israelites is the exact same invitation that he invites you and I to today. This invitation is not just for them, it is for us. Come, all of you who are thirsty. It doesn't say come, those of you who know your Bible better than others. It doesn't say come, those of you who think you're more holy than others. It doesn't say come, those of you who've been in church for longer than other people, or those who know exactly how to act the Christian life. It says come, all who are thirsty. No matter who you are, no matter what your life journey has led you to this moment, he invites those who are thirsty, desperate for him, those who are longing for an encounter with God to find deep-rooted satisfaction in him. Not something that's just superficial and hollow and on the outside but fades, but deep-rooted satisfaction. And God showed the children of Israel that he doesn't just give them the scraps, he gives them the best. And you and I get to stand here today and look back at this passage and understand through the lens of Jesus, through the eyes of Jesus, that God gave his very best for you and for me. That he gave his one and only son. Okay, this was the biggest cost that God could, could ever lay down. His finest, his best, his own. He sent Jesus to walk on this earth take on human form, be fully God, fully man, live a human life, die on a cross to take on our sin and our shame so that we could be restored back to God. And three days later, raise again to demonstrate his power. Come and drink wine and milk at my table. In other words, the bestest food. And we know you and I today, we have an offer extended to us not to just be restored, but to be restored and to be elevated. See, he's teaching us about grace in this passage. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. The invitation for you and I today is to be invited into a space that we do not deserve to be in, a space that we cannot afford to be in, a space that we could never buy ourselves into, but freely given to us. All he says is, will you come? Will you come to me? All who are thirsty. And interestingly, Jesus echoes this in the New Testament. Okay, when, when Jesus is walking around and telling people, okay, I am the Son of God. I am God. This is what he says to them in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says, come to me. This is Jesus speaking, saying to the people, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest he's talking about is deep rooted satisfaction of your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So it's, let's, be, let's be helpful for a moment here. We understand the invitation that Jesus extends to us. The invitation that God is speaking to his church through Isaiah is simply come to me. Those of you who are feeling thirsty, feeling a, a yearning, a desire for more of God. He was saying he will give us life if we come. But who is that invitation extended to? Like, what does it look like in our life? Well, just as we were talking about dehydration, how it surfaces itself in different ways. It doesn't just surface itself in feeling thirsty. It might be headaches or tiredness or whatever it might be. The same is true for our soul. When we find ourselves dry on the inside, when we find ourselves in need of God to move and to replenish our soul, when we find ourselves in those places, it doesn't always look like a desire for more of God. Because I found in my life, actually, the times when I'm most dry, I actually don't have a desire for more of God. Okay, there are actually the times that I find it most difficult to think about drawing close to God. Times when I really feel a little bit put out and I don't feel like that inner alignment and I feel like dissatisfied with life and don't really feel like I'm the person that God has made me to be and I just feel like that little bit of a shift from the inside. Those are the times I find it most difficult to say, God, I'm really, really desperate for you. Just like our bodies, dehydration surfaces itself in different ways. When our souls are dehydrated, it doesn't always surface itself in a tangible or cognitive desire for God, it can look like weariness. Oh, some of us find ourselves in those places, just tired, like you've just been beaten time and time again and life's just been really difficult. Sometimes it can actually look like when we're in this place where we're actually in desperate need of God, it can just feel like we've got a real grip of sin on our life. Or we just feel like this maybe, maybe it's some habits or some dysfunction in our life. We just feel like it's got a little bit too much of a hold on us. It's gotten away from us a little bit. It can also just look like a lack of peace in our life. Like, oh, how do I know if, I'm, if I really need God? Well, the simple answer is we all do. We all do. Just some of us are aware of it. And others are thinking, I just need to do some more yoga. I just need to do some more something to fill this thing on the inside of me that can never be filled. It might look like, and a lot of us do this, it might look like a period of your life when you are fighting in your own strength. When you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you feel like you need to fix everything and be a hero for everyone and come to save the day in your life and other people's lives and you just feel like you are operating on your own, out of your own strength, that is one of the ways in which we know that our souls are beginning to dry. So who are, the, who are these people? Well, for a start, it's everyone. Every single one of us has an internal yearning, desire for more of God. But I want to make this a little bit more practical for us today as a church. If you call Light Church your home, let me speak to you for just a moment. I want to connect the dots here with this. When he says, we are, when it says, come all who are thirsty. I want us as a church to understand something here that when we come to church, we come into this space and we, we go to your groups or you're involved in Light Church or in church in some form. 
and you come and you, you feel that replenishing of your soul. You feel like you've been fed or you feel like you know, God has met you in that way. Almost like when we were out in that festival handing out these bottles of water. It's like you come and you've, you've got your bottle of water. And you felt that satisfaction. Oh, I love going to church. You come away feeling oh, amazing. And then you hear this come, all who are thirsty, and you're thinking, oh, well, if we're going to be a people of invitation, I'm going to wait for those people in my life. I'm ready for those people who are going to say to me, hey, friend, would you tell me more about Jesus? I'm not going to, but if I was to ask a show of hands of how many times in your life someone's asked you that question, there'd be very few people who'll put their hand up. Some people might ask us, oh, why is it you go to church? Or what, what is it about this thing that you do? Is it not weird? Are you religious? All these different types of things. But I want us to join some dots that when you and I come and we receive this water, we receive this replenishment, we go out and our whole goal is to invite those, hey, hey, you all who are thirsty, all who are weary, all who are messed up, all who are broken, come with me and come and drink of this everlasting life. But the thing is, as dehydration looks different in our bodies, this spiritual thirst looks different in the life of others. Maybe there's some people, some of them could be your best friends. Some of them could be your family members. Some of them could be work colleagues. Some of them could be parents at the school gate. Some of them could be just people in your life that have this look about them where they are searching for satisfaction everywhere but God. You think, oh, I'll invite people to church when they say, tell me about Jesus. Most likely not going to come. But when you hear your friends say, ah, oh, I'm thinking about going to one of those psychic nights because I really just feel like I need to know what's next in my life. What is that? It is a hunger for something. And what are they doing? Going everywhere but God to find it. Friends, you are the people who are in their life to point them to the person of Jesus. Okay? It will surface itself in people's lives in very, very different ways. Some people will come to you and say, I just feel so down. I just can't seem to shake this feeling of inadequacy in my life. Sometimes that is how the question of tell me more about Jesus will come. I just need peace. If we are going to be a people of invitation to say, hey, come with me and drink of this water then where, what do we need to be? A people who have already gone. A people who have already responded to the invitation of Jesus. We cannot invite others to experience what we are yet to experience. It will surface itself in different ways in different people. Keep your eyes open. Imagine this. Imagine if we went to that festival and me, Holly, and our friend had this big crate of water and people, and people didn't know that we were selling it. We were just like moving it around, think people would have looked at us and thought, oh, they must be stocking up one of the stalls or they must be moving water from one side of the site to the other. And we never told anyone what we were doing. And people looking at us going like, are they going to, is that for sale? Like what's going to happen here? And we didn't say a single thing to people. Yet we were walking around with bottles of water in our hands, crates of water on our shoulders. Does anyone want to buy some water? Does anyone need some water? Flooded with people could just be the same in your life. Are you pushing this experience where you come to church and you draw from the water of God? 
And then you go around your life waiting for someone to ask. Now again, I'm not saying don't be weird. Don't go and ram it down people's throat. Don't, don't become someone where it's like a broken record and people are so used to hearing you say the same things. I'm talking genuinely when someone says, I, just, I feel like I just need something in my life. Are we going to be the people that say, come with me. Come and drink of this water. Come and taste honey sweeter than you have ever tasted in your life. Come and taste peace. Come and taste purpose. Come and taste the heart of God. Because the only thing that can satisfy you. My question for us this morning is, do you need that deep satisfaction for your soul? Are you in that place where you feel weary and tired? You feel like you just can't keep going anymore? Then the invitation is stretched out to you. Come, all who are thirsty, come to his waters. Or maybe this morning, the challenge for you is, are you hiding this source from thirsty people? You've been walking around knowing that you've got this amazing, incredible, life-transforming source. And you're just waiting for someone to be proactive. Then God, he challenges the, the nation of Israel. So he says to them, here's my invitation. I know you're facing the future. I know it's a little bit difficult. I know life is upside down. I know you're not very prosperous at the moment. But come to me, all who are thirsty, and you will get what you don't deserve with money you do not have. The whole money thing I love because it's like saying, what could we offer God? It's like we have nothing in the bank that we could offer God anyway. So it has to be given to us. He's saying, come to me. Look, there's nothing that you can do to, to earn this. So just, I'm going to give it to you. Okay? And the person of Jesus is going to pay for it. He already paid for it. We obviously exist after that happened. They didn't. It's all paid for. Come. Accept grace. But then he challenges them. And he says this. And this almost like sets them, it makes them kind of perk up a little bit. Wait a minute, what? So he says this, Lucy, in, um, in verse 2. He says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And God simply challenges them. He says this in a very plain and simple way. Why are you spending your money on things that can never satisfy you? Why are you pouring yourself out for things that will never bring satisfaction to your soul? Why are you looking for anything other than me? They were dabbling with other religions and other gods and they were pulling various different things in and they were trying to do things in their own strength and God is simply saying to them, stop, why are you spending your money in that way? Come to me. And that challenge is just the same for you and I. You find yourself in that place where you feel weary, feel like your soul is dry, the question is just the same. The challenge is just the same. Don't pour yourself out for things that can never satisfy you. The list could go on and you know where I'm going with this. But we pour ourselves into so many other things that will never give us that deep rooted rest for our soul. Careers. None of these things are bad things. But it's when we think that they're going to give us satisfaction deep down. Our careers, certain relationships, money, holidays. 
the thing is, and I don't even know if this is true. I remember hearing about this. This is one of those like playground rumors, but I'm going to say it anyway. I always heard, okay, that they would put something in Coca-Cola that when you would drink it, it never satisfied you and it always left you wanting more. Now, I don't know if that's true, but one thing is for sure. There are some people that get seriously hooked on those things. They just can't get enough. The same is true for anything other than God. When you try and satisfy your soul with a holiday, guess what happens? You have the best time ever. You get a tan. Everyone on Instagram and Facebook, oh, amazing pictures, love this. Emoji, emoji, emoji. And then you get home and life is terrible again. So what you do is you work really hard, you save up loads of money, and then I'm going to book another holiday, a little dopamine hit, and then I'm going to go on an amazing holiday. You start looking at it, and then everything climbs, and you get home again. Right, and I have to book another holiday. Do you see what I'm saying? The cycle is endless and endless and endless. Why are we pouring ourselves into things that can never satisfy us? Holidays are great. I'm not saying they're not but they will never satisfy the deepest part of your soul. Only Jesus can do that. Don't settle for the cheap knockoff that will actually cost you a lot. The cheap things that cost us a lot. The stand-ins, the nearly theirs, the could-bes. They're all nothing compared to the person of Jesus. The only place that we will get true rest and satisfaction for our soul. And then finally... This is what the prophet says to, or God says through the prophet to the nation. He's outlined his invitation. He's challenged them with what they're doing. Now he simply states how it is that they can get there. Last one for me, Lucy. It says this. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. He lays it out very, very clear for them. Three simple things that he is asking them to do. You're like, oh, I hear you, Dan. I think I want to be a person that draws from the water of the everlasting power of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God. I want to be that person who is not dry on the inside, but is nourished and watered in my soul. I want to be that. How do I do it? How do I respond to the invitation of Jesus? Well, simply, this is what he says, listen diligently and incline your ear. The picture Isaiah is painting for them is to lean into God and hear what he is wanting to say. You and I, we have the Bible, the word of God. In other words, what Isaiah is saying to them is obedience is the way in which we come to God. The way which we respond to that invitation is by being obedient to the way that God wants us to live the way that God wants us to come to him. Listen diligently and incline your ear. We, re we respond to God by coming with our trust and our faith and living in a way that God has laid out for us. To be a people that have ears to hear what it is he's saying to us through his word, through his church, through the spirit. Listen diligently. It says in the New Testament, how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word about Christ. Our faith is built when we have ears to hear God and to lean in to what he is saying to us. 
Second thing he says is, eat what is good. Joel, you can jump up with me now. He says, eat what is good. This sounds fun, doesn't it? Like, wow, what an amazing command from God. Eat what is good. He's talking about discernment. He's talking about the intentionality that goes in to feeding ourselves. Have ears to hear. Be intentional about what you let into your heart and into your soul. Eat what is good. Paul says it in the New Testament to paraphrase, but that which is good, that which is beautiful, that which is true, that which is holy, focus on those things. Isaiah is saying, be careful what you feed your soul. If you're there being like, I want to respond to this invitation of God. I want to step into that place. Have you got ears to hear what God wants to say to you? And are you being intentional about the influences that you're letting into your soul? Are there some people and things in there that you probably need to remove? And then thirdly, it says this, delight yourselves in rich food. I mean, these commands just keep getting better, don't they? Yes, we can do that. What does he mean? He means when you've been invited to the table, don't sit there moping, pretending like you don't deserve it or being embarrassed or shameful or sitting there and moaning and grumbling. This picture is about immersion. It's a picture of freedom. It's delight yourselves in rich food. In other words, walk in it. Have ears to hear God. Be careful what you feed yourself and then live out this life that God has called you to. That is how we respond to the invitation of Jesus. Be at the table and be all in. Give yourself over to it. It's like a picture they're painting of enjoyment, delighting. You're fully present in the moment. You're there taking every bit of it in. You're not half in, half out. You're not eating on the doorstep with the dogs. You're at the table feasting with God. That's the picture that is painting. So I simply want to do something this morning as we come to a close. Maybe the, you're in here this morning and you are in that place where you feel like, I am really thirsty from the inside. I just feel, I feel weary. I feel real stuck. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like that click's gone. I feel like I can't find myself in it. I just, I'm, I don't know where to go. If you're in here, I want, I'm, we're going to offer an opportunity in this last song just to come and to pray for you. There'll be a few people around on either side of me. You can head over to that side. Head over to this side. and We just simply want to pray. And as you come and you respond to that invitation, all who are thirsty... If you're thirsty in here this morning, simply come. And we want to pray for you to receive more of God. Or maybe a second group of people in here today who can understand that picture of me, Holly, and our friend with the crates of water. And you feel like you've been keeping this to yourself. I want to encourage you to come forward in this song. We want to pray for you because we want to commission you to be people that go out into your communities, out into your families, out into your workplaces, carrying the infinite source that is the person of Jesus to a dying and hungry world. No one else is coming. Do you know that? Like to your friends and your family and no one else is going to do it. No one else is coming. You are that person. 
You are the people that God has sent into your world to go and carry this message of hope and restoration and peace. No one else is going to do it. So if you want to be a person of invitation that says to those people in your life, come to this place that I know and find rest for your soul, find life and find peace. And what do you need to do first? You need to come and pray for that filling of the Holy Spirit as we send you out into your world.